Hey, this is Jeff Loveland. Thank you for tuning in to Anchor for My Soul podcast, where we want to give a message of hope in the middle of the storm by anchoring ourselves to the Word of God. In each episode, we will grow in our spiritual walk a little more as we use the SOAP Bible study method to dive deep into the scriptures, observe what God is teaching us, apply the lessons in our daily lives, and then pray about it. I hope this encourages you today and helps you go forward with Christ. Welcome back to Anchor for My Soul podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Loveland. As many of you know, I love people, and I love being there for others, no matter their background, history, culture, race, gender, or even if I agree with them or not. I love people. I've always had the shepherd's heart for others, whether I knew them or not. I'm called to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind and love my neighbor as myself. That's not just a suggestion. That's a commandment by God, by God himself. Matter of fact, that is the first and second commandments found in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. With that said, listen closely, because what I'm about to say is very important. I follow Jesus, not movements. I choose to follow Jesus in his way and leave everything else at the cross. I must leave the bitterness, the anger, frustration, and grudges from the past. I must lay down my pride and my selfishness. I must forgive, I must love, and I must follow Jesus. And when it comes to movements, if the Lord did not call me to a movement, or if a movement doesn't glorify God, then I don't want any part of it. Instead, the Lord will lead me to a way to go about change in a better way. One that will be, it will call me to be there for others and to do what is right. Today, as you can tell, I'm going to talk about movements and the rebellion that seems to be sweeping across this nation and across the world. As Christians, we are called to love. We are to love our neighbor, which includes our friends and our enemies. What the Lord calls us to do is a movement found on love, where we strive to have peace and unity, standing up for what is true and right, and doing so with the focus on others and not on self. Yes, sometimes that includes us standing up and fighting for what we believe in, but we must love first. And what we believe and what we do must include the Lord, our God. I believe in our walks as Christians by following God's word and applying that to our lives. That we don't just cover a multitude of sin. We are going after change like many of the movements out there. When we stand on the word of God and When we let the Lord guide us, he will help us seek love, forgiveness, justice, and change. However, that change starts internally, in our own hearts, and then externally as we show love, grace, and mercy to others. Oh, 
And let me remind us of this. Grace is unearned. Many movements have expectations and requirements like any merit-based system that will have goals that are constantly being changed and are being based on what you do or how you prove yourself worthy to that cause. These expectations are made that way so that nobody can possibly earn or achieve those expectations. It's a no-win battle. When we seek justice individually, or according to man's or the mob's standards, one can never please everyone. It is impossible. It is a case-by-case situation. You may prove yourself to one person to then find that you are considered wrong by many others. Therefore, we must let God be the judge and ruler. He never changes. He is just and he is fair. Also, his ways are perfect and they're above our ways. There is a reason why we are supposed to seek love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness and let God do the rest. Today, I want to take a closer look at what Apostle Paul spoke about in his second letter to the church in Thessalonica. In this letter, we will see the emphasis about the judgment at Christ's coming and the affliction and suffering that we will see prior to that. From there, Paul tells us about the man of lawlessness and the rebellion that comes prior to that. You see, the rebellion are those who are against God and who are against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The rebellion are those who are in the world, who are blind to the truth and focused on the things of this world. The rebellion are those who are pulling people away from the truth for what they say is true. In other words, the different movements taking place, they sound good and they sound like they're really making a difference, but they are downright deceptive and pulling people away from the truth and away from God. These groups are of those who are perishing and refuse to love, to know, or to be saved by the truth, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Therefore, as we will read in 2 Thessalonians, God sends them a strong delusion so that what they believe is false. In a day and age where there are many movements taking place and trying to sway the population to join their cause and join their fight. I want to remind us about one movement that we must be a part of. It's really the only movement we should be a part of. A movement about love and is focused on one life that mattered and loved by many. A life that experienced injustice and hatred and died in a gruesome way. A life that was sacrificed and the news of this shocked the world. This man experienced a world that was full of cruelty, corruption, and unfairness. Yet, he kept going forward in a loving and righteous way. This man died so that others may live. This man was Jesus. This man was son of God and son of man. This man died on the cross for each and every one of our sins so that we who believe in him may have eternal life. 
This man is our Lord and Savior and arose from the grave after being sacrificed. Since that time, this movement, Christianity, has gone throughout the world sharing faith, hope, and love. This is a radical love. This is a love movement that transforms lives, communities, cities, and nations. This is a movement that restores brokenness and turns darkness into light. This is a movement that helps those who have been persecuted, who are suffering, and who have, been, who have seen injustice and who have been wronged. This is a movement for sinners to be loved and radically transformed by the one who knew no sin and washes our sin clean and makes us white as snow. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life one must live. When we live and love as we have been taught, we are at odds with the ways of this world. Jesus is a stumbling block to many because he is the only way one can be with the Father in heaven. Many religions and cults will talk about Jesus as a man, but not as God. They'll do everything they can to deceive many from knowing the truth. That is the work of Satan. That work is being done today by the different groups that are marching in the name of injustice. One movement even has the slogan, no justice, no peace. This is flawed, and here's why. As for the only way we can experience peace is through Jesus Christ, not by man's justice. Because man is flawed and we have our own selfish desires. We can do everything possible and still fall short due to the issue that we face. Sin. Sin is the root of all evil. 1 John 1, 8-10 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word not in us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Friends, there's always a way to move beyond that sin. But we must choose that way. It's not easy. But there's always an opportunity. More than likely, that way will consist of loving one another. That way will consist of forgiving one another, repenting of our wicked and evil ways, and turning towards Jesus in the Word of God, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. 
that pretty much speaks for itself. Look around. We see these things taking place daily, if not hourly. Also, what's concerning is that we have more people marching and coming together for different men, women, and children who have lost their life in a terrible way or who are trying to identify with a certain way of life. But yet, many will not go out in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior and Creator, to share faith, hope, and love, and to remind the world that Jesus, who was sinless and perfect, that He died for us because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever may believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for sin. Now we must move beyond our sinful and unrighteous ways and live according to his word. Finally, it's important to note that man-made movements, just such as the ones we see today, are started with one goal in mind and can easily be changed as more people get involved. You'll see that a movement will start to shift and take on other characteristics. The devil is in the details. Those who join these movements or these fights or fights for these movements will agree with one aspect in the beginning, but may find that in the end, they disagree with the direction it ultimately took. Just like in the beginning, God created everything and it was good. But then Satan came into the picture and then we lived in a fallen world. As we learned from Adam and Eve, something can look and sound so good, and then one wrong action can change everything. Sometimes in these movements, you might hear people say, I agree with this, but I disagree with that. Friends, I hate to say it, but when you agree with one thing in a movement, you stand with that movement in all areas, even the ones you disagree with and the ones that are against God. So I have a couple questions. Do you find yourself spending time rallying and fighting for a movement right now? If so, does that movement show love in the midst of fear or hope in the midst of chaos? Does that movement build up the body of Christ or just a portion of it? Does that movement stand with the word of God? Does that movement have you loving your neighbors as you would yourself? Or does it have you fight with one another or tear each other down or remove from your group of friends one person because they have a different stance or see things differently? Do you find yourself loving your neighbor on Sunday when you're in the Lord's house and then causing division and strife on Monday through Saturday when you're out in the world preaching another message or another gospel? A message that misses out on love and the way we act and speak. Friends, we have, to, we have many people that are hypocritical, and they act one way and then another when it fits their needs. When we follow Christ, we will follow Him all the time, through all kinds of trials, through all kinds of temptations. When we say, yes, Lord, let our words and actions reflect that promise to follow Him. You see, movements are made to inspire people and motivate people to make change. I, too, want to see change. I, too, want people to live with their God-given rights 
and to walk around without fear or worry about a situation and how it may go wrong. Friends, these movements you see around the world today are from the devil and were created to cause division, hate, unrighteousness, and strife, which is anger, bitterness, and conflict. The very things that we do to rebel against God. Paul started off 2 Thessalonians, greeting others by mentioning grace and peace. Maybe we should all take note of this and greet others with grace and peace, and then open up the door to love one another, creating real, lasting change, one person at a time. That change comes from God, and that moves in us, and then through us. But I want to remind you that being a Christian has not changed. Yes, there are leaders that step in and out of churches, that make decisions for their congregations, that some may agree with and others may not. Yes, there are many different denominations and views on certain biblical principles. However, in the end, Christianity, being a disciple or a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ, comes down to love and abiding in God's word. Man will change, but God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow too. His word is alive and active and relevant for today. The movements we hear in the news today include Antifa, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, LGBTQ+, Islam, Communism, Socialism. These movements have a common theme, and that is to create change and require people to respect them or face consequences. In the last few months alone, we have seen multiple movements go against the church in lawsuits, in arson, in force, and in violence. Churches have been burnt down. Bibles have been burnt. And the name of Jesus may either bring on anger or persecution. You may be greeted with a mob, and you may be forced to comply. These movements mentioned cannot have people worshiping God because that takes away from their power and control. Also, they will say that they are doing peaceful protests, but in reality, they are anything but. A peaceful protest does not burn and destroy property. A peaceful protest does not create ambushes for law enforcement to walk into. A peaceful protest does not force your business to close based off of a different view. And a peaceful protest does not tear down statues of Jesus and call him racist. These are lies being spewed so that those who do not see the truth will continually be blind from discovering it. As Christians, we are called to love our neighbor. Love is radical. Let's be reminded what love is and how important it is, especially in times such as now, where we are divided over anything and everything. As I finish up, I just want to mention the last couple of things. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love, it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. 
love never fails. But if we read the verse before that, verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. As you can see, we can do all these things to help others and make change. However, if we do not have love, then really, was anything gained? Without love, we can preach about change until we are blue in the face and keep striving to make something happen. But we find we were only spinning our tires, stuck and going nowhere. But if we love God and love others, we gain everything. If we want to see real change and make our cities, communities, and nation better, it must start with love, and it must be us seeking the Lord and following His ways, not ours. If you hear nothing else from this episode, please make sure that the one thing that you take away is the importance of love. Love is the only way we will see true change. We know that the Lord will return for His bride soon. However, we also know that there will be some tumultuous and dark times ahead. But Christian, take joy in the fact that these things will happen before the Lord returns. Also, take joy in the fact that you may be one of the last opportunities for others to be saved. We are living in some difficult times. But fear not, the Lord is with us. Do not be deceived. Be encouraged. Stand firm and keep sharing the love of Christ. As we get ready to read about 2 Thessalonians, I can't help but think about the move that we are called to do. A movement of love. Love does cover a multitude of sins. When we seek the Lord, when we love well, and when we care for those around us and strive to pick each other up and strengthen one another, we too are hoping for change. A change in the hearts of many. A change in this nation. A change in this world. A change that is based on love, hope, and faith. And a change that is focused on transforming lives through Jesus Christ. When we seek Him, we are able to experience peace and forgiveness. And then we will know peace. When we seek Him, we're able to love one another no matter what the color of our skin is or where we were born. When we seek Him, we know that our true identity is and who we were created to be. When we seek Him, He will point us to the truth and justice and help us overcome the evil and the darkness throughout this world. He is the light that shines bright and we must shine with Him. Change starts with us. Change starts when we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins and transform our hearts and our wicked ways. Change must start within before we can take it out. Please turn your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapters 1 through 3. We'll be reading out the English Standard Version. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 Greeting Verse 1 Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy To the church of the Thessalonians 
in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. The judgment at Christ's coming. Verse 5. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good in every work of faith by his power, so that the name of Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 The Man of Lawlessness Verse 1 Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things. And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with his breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, 
because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Stand firm. Verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. This he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by a spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 Pray for us. Verse 1 Finally, brothers, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Warning against idleness, verse six. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor do we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is now willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earning their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey, what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Benediction, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand that this is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write, 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So that was our scripture reading for today. Now let's observe what it was saying. Let's apply it to our lives and then we will pray. Have you ever read into a text or an email incorrectly? You know, one of those times where after you glance at the message, you have to stop and pause and then try to read into it just a little bit more to figure out what the writer was trying to say. You then get an idea in your head as you read the context, tone, and meaning behind the words. From there, you might be thinking one thing when the writer actually wanted you to think something else. Communication can be quite confusing sometimes because we are all prone to reading into things incorrectly. Sometimes miscommunication can happen when one person misspeaks or someone doesn't hear something clearly or correctly. As we all know, communication can sometimes go awry. Here we have Paul writing a second letter to the church in Thessalonica to clear up a few things and help eliminate confusion from his first letter to that region. You see, some were suggesting that Paul mentioned in the first letter that the Lord already came. But when Paul found this out, he had to write his second letter to clear up that confusion and then remind the Thessalonians that what was being mentioned was actually a false report. Fake news, as some would say today. And that they didn't miss the Lord's return. From there, he would go on talking about how impressive it was that they kept going forward, being steadfast in their faith, even with all the persecution and affliction that they endured. Then he mentioned the man of lawlessness and the rebellion that must take place prior to the Lord's return. And finally, He discussed in that letter the importance of praying for one another to steer clear of idleness, which can lead to worldliness and sinfulness. And he emphasized the importance of not growing weary of doing good. First off, how important is this letter a reminder to those who are fearful that they missed the Lord's return? That alone can bring on fear, depression, and anxiety and lead many to a path of hopelessness. When those who love God and our Lord Jesus Christ are in fear of where they stand and if they get left behind when it's all said and done, they will not flourish and shine because they are too focused on being in fear of not being saved. And then they'll miss out on the mission as they are called to do. Therefore, Paul had to put an end to that false report that was misleading people and creating fear where there should be no fear. So let's take note of what was mentioned in this letter, because this is very relevant for today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. In the beginning of this letter, after the greeting, Paul is commending them on their faith and love for one another and how that's growing abundantly and increasing. This is something that the body of Christ can boast about because they are doing this even though they're experiencing trials, difficulties, and afflictions throughout their daily lives. Stop. Let's pause right there and reflect on that for just a minute. This is a group 
that continues to grow in their faith and love for one another, even though they're experiencing persecution and affliction. In other words, they do not let chaos or darkness that's surrounding them get in the way of their faith, the love they have for God, or the love they have for their neighbors. Instead, they continue to grow in those areas, even as they endure and suffer, because they are focused on Christ and what He calls them to do, and not the storms that surround them. Right now, we have many people that quickly join a movement or a cause based off of several different reasons, and or they're pressured to join or act accordingly. There is very much a psychological and spiritual warfare taking place today that is using the media, propaganda, and politics to pressure one another from living biblically to being living culturally. The battle is everywhere in the schools, jobs, news, entertainment, and now sports. Everywhere you look, you're being told how to act what to say, and what to believe. The more you hear it, the more you believe it. But let us be reminded to stand firm and stand upon the word of God and keep on enduring and growing in our faith like those who lived in Thessalonica. Chapter 1 verse 5 talks about the evidence of the righteous judgment of God. When there is evidence one can clearly see something because they have something to go off of. In this case, the evidence of God and His righteous judgment is seen through those who are worthy of the kingdom of God. The catch is, you like Christ will suffer from time to time. Yet as we see in verses 6-7, through God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give you relief when others afflict you. We serve a God who is just and fair. It should be to no surprise that each and every one of us has been wrong and done wrong at one point in time. Our judgment gets flawed. Our motives change. But God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow too. His ways are above our ways. And what is right, true, and just will never change with God in control. He is the ultimate judge and ruler. When we pursue Him, When we seek His wisdom and His ways, and when we do what He calls us to do, well, then we glorify Him, and we become the evidence of what is worthy of the kingdom of God, heaven. Those who love the Lord and love others, and whom grow in their faith and understanding, even when times get tough. Philippians 1, verses 27 through 28 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Sometimes the toughest thing that we can do is to stand up for what is right. Today, the battle is not so much about what the movements say and what they stand for, but what they do. 
When you use tactics that the devil loves to use, such as dividing people, telling lies, cheating, stealing, destroying, and using fear to power and control others, then you are of the world and of Satan. When you stand for truth, justice, and love, you very well might think you stand alone, but you stand with God. He is with you, and His word will live out by what you say and do. There will be affliction, and there will be persecution, but it is important that we continue to stand firm and stand upon the word of God. Do not let the ways of this world lead you into any other path but the one of love and of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we are told about the man of lawlessness, also known as the Antichrist. We are told who he is, what he will do, when we can expect him, and what must take place prior to him, taking a seat in the temple of God, where he will deceive many and lead the masses to destruction. First, we are reminded by Paul to not be alarmed, shaken, or afraid that the Lord has already came, and that we as believers have missed out on His return. Many have gone out saying that the Lord has already came, and they planted a seed of doubt and fear, which can in turn lead many away from the church. But Paul reminds us that that is simply not true. We know that because of several key things. One, the rebellion comes first. Two, after that, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Three, he will then oppose and exalt himself over everything that is worshipped and so-called God. And four, he will then take his seat in the temple of God, which is being made as we speak, and will then claim to be God. But before the Antichrist is revealed, the rebellion must come first. Look around. You don't even need to turn on the news to see it. The rebellion is here. The rebellion is fighting against every good thing that God has created and is paving the way for the Antichrist to be revealed and make his way to the temple to play God and deceive many. But do not be fooled. This is still to come. Verses 9-12 through 12 tells us that the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. There will be power, false signs, and wonders, and a wicked deception that will take place, and that will appear to be truth to those who refuse to love and are perishing. If they do not change their ways and follow the Lord, they will be condemned. So when does the mystery or the actions of the lawlessness start to take place? Friends, it's already taking place, and it has been for quite some time. Verses 7-8 through told us that this is already taking place. However, we only see bits and pieces of it because it's being restrained or held back. But the one who is restraining it will eventually move out of the way, and then the man of lawlessness will then be revealed. I look at it like this. It's like a dam holding back the water. You see, a little bit of water will come through the cracks and over the edge. But once there is a significant damage or the dam breaks, well, then everything comes rushing forward and 
It goes forward in full force. The good news is this. We know that the Holy Spirit, the one who is restraining the evil lawlessness from fully rushing forward, will eventually get out of the way and allow it to happen once the church is raptured or taken up. The world will then be subject to sin and lawlessness everywhere. Now this is going to shock you. Some may disagree with my last statement, depending on their view of the rapture. There are three different views of the rapture. Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. The rapture is a part of eschatology, which is the study in Christian theology covering the last things or the end of things. Now, pre-tribulation is where believers believe that they will be rescued from God's wrath and that the believers will be taken up to heaven prior to the start of the tribulation. That's where we will still suffer and endure some trials, but then there'll be nothing compared to the major lawlessness and destruction that is to come. The mid-tribulation is the belief that the church in Israel will experience the rapture three and a half years into the man of lawlessness's reign, where believers will experience some of the tribulation and be removed from the great wrath that comes when the man of lawlessness turns on the people about three and a half years into a false peace treaty. And that treaty will then turn into major war and destruction everywhere. Please read Revelation 13 regarding the 42 months, which is the three and a half years I was just talking about. And then also there's the post-tribulation. And this is where the church, or the believers in Christ, I should say, are rescued and raptured from the last wrath upon unbelievers. What this means is we would then go through all seven years of the tribulation, but then raptured in the very last moments and taken up prior to the last wrath. Either way, there will be trials and tribulations ahead. But we know that we must endure and keep seeking the Lord, no matter what. While going through these difficult times, we must keep our eyes on Jesus and not be deceived by power, miracles, and others claiming to be God. You know your shepherd's voice, and you know that that is Jesus. Stand firm on that and do not be deceived. As you read verses 16 through 17, I hope and pray that you are comforted as you stand firm and endure the trials and persecution that may arise in your daily walk. Be comforted, knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, they love us, and continually give us eternal comfort and hope through His grace. Be comforted in your faith. Be comforted in your journey. Be comforted in the midst of trials. Comfort and establish and clean your hearts as you go forward in every good work that you do and in every word that you speak that brings glory to God. To God be the glory forever. Amen. Chapter 3 speaks for itself. As we can see, it starts off requesting prayer. It says, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and 
that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. This prayer request is basically like sending out a messenger in battle. That messenger is leading the way to allow the army, or in our case, the saints, to be prepared and equipped for battle, knowing what is ahead and with a plan to stop the enemy in their tracks. Prayer and love is our battle cry. We must pray that the word of the Lord is received by those who are perishing and who are causing chaos in the streets. We must pray that the word of the Lord is received by those who are blind to the truth and led by the evil workings of Satan and the demonic powers around us. Right now, there is so much confusion and chaos taking place. When one is confused, they are unable to act. By having many groups creating confusion and chaos, we must pray for those who are involved. We must pray for the protection that comes from the Lord, and we must be confident and trust in Him as we step forward into the unknown. We must have faith. Verse 3 said, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Verse 4 says, And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. And finally, verse 5, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. As we step forward in faith and pray into the situations that surround us, we must remember that the Lord is faithful. His word is true. Man might lie, but God does not. If God said it, then we must believe what he said will come to pass. We can take comfort in knowing several things from verses 3 through 5. When God calls us to do something, He will establish us. He will protect us and guard us against the evil one who is trying to prevent us from going forward. We can be confident that we are going forward as commanded, moving in obedience. And we also know that He will direct our hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness with Christ. All these movements taking place are being done to create change and to accomplish some goal. When we follow the Lord and say yes to being a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, we are set out to accomplish His goal, one that includes love, righteousness, and a change from within. As we embark on that journey and fight the good fight, we will come against opposition. Matter of fact, I guarantee you will have some thing come against you when you do the Lord's will. But just know that He will direct your hearts when you go forward in His name. The Holy Spirit will guide you and will lead you with love and righteousness. He will light your fire and keep you going. Change is on the horizon. However, that change starts with the heart and it starts one person at a time. We are all called to this movement, a movement that is obedient to God and one that loves our neighbor. Therefore, watch out for those who are in the world who practice sinfulness, unrighteousness, and idleness. Watch out so that you too do not become busybodies and follow the ways of this world like many others. As mentioned in chapter 3 verse 12, we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly 
and earn their own living. As the Lord calls you to do something, it may be behind the scenes and on a personal level, making a difference one person at a time. As Christians, we are all a part of a great movement of faith, hope, love, and encouragement. We are here to build others up and help them go forward. Verse 13 says, To not grow weary in doing good. When one does the Lord's work, we must not see the fruit of our labor, and we may have so much come against us as we go forward in obedience. But either way, do not grow weary. This work is not for our own gain, but for the kingdom. When we selfishly think of ourselves while doing the Lord's work, we lose sight of the mission and start doing our own selfish things that leads to a path of worldliness and sinfulness. Do not grow weary. Keep going and know that you make a difference. When we get to heaven, you will see your reward. And finally, verses 14 through 15. These verses right here really hit home in these days that we live in. When someone doesn't listen to us and does not obey God's word, we must take note of that person and steer clear of them and their ways so that you too do not go astray. We should not consider them an enemy, but instead one that Jesus loves. Therefore, as we part ways, we can plant a seed for the Lord to water. We can lovingly warn them about the wages of sin, which is death, and remind them that Jesus Christ loves them so much to not leave them in that sin. After you leave, pray for them. Pray that the Lord will work on their heart and change their ways, and that His Word is received. What once is evil and wicked can then radically be changed through the love of Jesus Christ to be righteous and pure. As you go forward in these difficult days, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and guide you every step of the way. Now that we've read scripture and observed what I'm saying, how do we apply this to our lives? One, stand firm and stand on the word of God. From there, you'll know what is true and false, and know how to go forward in the trials that we face. 2. Know that the rebellion must come first, and then the man of lawlessness will then be revealed. Do not be deceived in these last days. 3. Pray that the word of God lives in us and will go ahead of us, and be heard by many. The Lord will fight for us and guide us to where he called us. But we must let his word lead the way in our hearts and in our actions as we go forward. And finally, four, Lord, have your way in this place. Lord, have your way on earth as it is in heaven. Have your will be done. Let's now end in prayer. Father, you are so good. You've brought us together. 
You've strengthened us and you've prepared us for times such as these. Lord, I ask that you continue to just prepare us for each and every day, whatever we face. Father, I ask that you continue to help us come together and to love one another. Father, I ask that you come and just show us your ways. Help us be more like you each and every day. And also, Lord, continue to be that light and that hope that we so desperately need in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Anchor for My Soul podcast. If you would like to help us reach further and hear daily content in the near future, we ask that you share this podcast with your friends and also consider becoming a financial partner to help us reach further for Jesus and to share the word. We are blessed to have listeners who pray for us and go make a difference in the kingdom. Please check out our website, www.anchorformysoulpodcast.com, where we have our past episodes, information about the podcast, and even who I am. If you so feel led to become a financial partner, you can either go to our website or you can go to anchor.fm backslash anchor for my soul podcast. Together we make a difference. God bless.